Thank you guys so much, and uh, good to see each and every one of you here this morning, and I know that it is the day after Christmas, and a number of folks are traveling or out of town, and so uh, it's good to see you. I'll tell you, it is good to see Alan and Mia Morgan. Some of you may remember, I mean, Alan, you got old, but Mia still looks like she did, you know, so many years ago. What happened? And uh, uh, same thing happened to all of us, but it's good to see Alan and Mia here with us uh, in to visit their family, and so uh, pray that you guys are doing well. I do want to ask you uh, to be praying for one another. Certainly, we have a number of folks that are, that are still dealing with uh, illnesses and COVID and things like that, uh, but I also want to ask you to pray for the Byler family. Um, received a text message yesterday, um, kind of a... Uh, one of those text messages you don't want to receive, but uh, Jay's, they had to, uh, they put, were moving to put Jay's dad into hospice care yesterday, and then before the evening was over, his dad went to be with Jesus, and so uh, I'd ask you to pray for Jay and the entire family uh, today. I know that uh, they would appreciate and covered our prayers during this time, and Never easy to lose loved ones, especially when they're so, so very, very special to us. And uh, we have had a season, haven't we, uh, this past year. And, uh, but to God be the glory, uh, as Jay said, his dad is with the Lord. Amen? And so we celebrate that. If you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 in the precious Word of God. And, and uh, we're going to get right into it this morning. We've talked about... Uh, a number of uh, things over the past few weeks. And man, I will say this. If you missed Christmas Eve, I want to encourage you to go out and watch the, uh, the, uh, the recording of that on YouTube uh, because some of the adults were even taken by the uh, story that I read on the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, a lot of folks had never heard the real meaning of those 12 days of Christmas. Now, there's, there's various thoughts concerning a couple of the days. Uh, that you can look up and study for yourself. But I thought not only was it a great opportunity to read to the children, but also something that would be beneficial for us. Because it was many years ago that I first uh, learned those, uh, those uh, wonderful meanings behind that story, the real 12 days of Christmas. And uh, the fact that our true love, our Heavenly Father, gave that one and only, that one and only, the greatest gift of all time. Amen. And so uh, I pray that you'll avail yourself of that. Luke chapter 2, and if you'll draw your attention down to verse number 8 and following, and in verse number 8, the Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you... Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we have had to sing songs of worship and praise to your holy name. 
Lord, I pray that in the quietness of this moment that you would redirect our focus, redirect our attention away from the things of this world and that we might focus on what really, truly matters this morning, and that is Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll open up the eyes of our understanding, that you'll open up our hearts, that we might receive a word from you anew this morning, that we might be encouraged from your word, that we might be challenged from your word, and that, Lord, as we go away from this place, we'll be different than when we walked in. Lord, I do pray that even in this group this morning, those watching online, that if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, the Lord, that uh, while there's still time, that they might open up their heart, that they might receive that greatest gift of all, the gift that you gave so long ago. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it will do in our lives. God, I pray that you'll be with me. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech through the next few moments of time. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for all that you'll do. For it's in Jesus' most precious most powerful and most beautiful name as we sang, amen and amen. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to take some time to look here at this, uh, really this last verse, but over this past month, as I said, we've taken time to really, to celebrate the greatest gift of all, and even if you were here on Christmas Eve, or maybe you watched on Christmas Eve, you'll know that I shared how Paul referred to the greatest gift. He said, thanks be unto God, in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And certainly we spent time this month uh, talking about the incredible benefits, but also the incredible blessings that we have through Jesus Christ. And so we started the month, we talked about the gift of love. We, the choir sang and we talked about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which was kind of timely. And then we talked about the great joy that we have through Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to conclude our, really it's not been a season of Advent series, but I guess it has been, because this morning I want us to conclude by looking at God's gift of peace. And if you notice in Scripture, the word peace actually appears throughout Scripture more than 400 times. Do you think peace is important to God? Do you think it's important? Do you think that he wants us to understand that we can have peace through him? In the Old Testament, the word shalom is used and refers, quite honestly, to this state of wholeness or harmony that's intended to resonate in all relationships. In my Bible, you don't know this, but I've shared this before. Maybe you remember, out here to the side of this passage, right here at verse number 14, I've written, peace of reconciliation, and then right under it in pencil I wrote, harmony had come in to the world. Oh, I'm, thank, I'm so thankful for the harmony that came into the world that night of nights. And this word shalom speaks of harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships. And you see there on the screen, the root word denotes this idea of completion or wholeness, if you please in which the general meaning carries the idea of unity and a restored relationship. The only way that our relationship could be restored with God was by God actually sending peace into the world. Isn't that good? God said, hey, guess what? I love you so much. I'm going to love you this much that I'm going to not only send hope, I'm not only going to send glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all men and all women. He said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you this idea of a restored relationship. And I put in my notes that this idea, this word peace or shalom in the Old Testament continues to convey ideas and nuances of fulfillment, maturity, harmony, 
tranquility, security, well-being, friendship, agreement, and success. Now, when we get over to the New Testament, in the New Testament, the word peace refers to prosperity, quietness, or does anybody this morning need a little rest? Isn't it crazy how on Christmas we're supposed to take a rest and worship the king, and yet the day after Christmas many of us look like we've had a long week. Oh, we need rest. It was Oswald Sanders who once said, Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Amen? It's not the absence of trouble. I got news for you. Once we conclude this service, you're not going to have this great epiphany like, oh man, I've got, I've got the peace, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, I've got the love of God, love of God down in my heart, I've got the hope of God, I've got the, and I've got all of these great things, and you walk out the door, and you know what, Route 29 is waiting for you. Ready to welcome you back into a world that's not really inclined to give you a lot of peace. And so we have to be careful where we look for peace. Someone also stated that peace is a right relationship with God that actually leads to a right relationship with ourselves and guides us in a right relationship this way. See, I'm not going to have peace this way unless I have peace this way. And guess what? I'm not going to have peace this way if I try to do it the other way. See, we have to make sure we have vertical peace before we have horizontal peace. And so it's pretty important as we seek to live our lives. And the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Holy Spirit or the evidence, if you please, of the Holy Spirit is this idea of love, joy, peace. There it is. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So in other words, peace is actually the result and the fruit of righteousness. Can I tell you that before Jesus, can I remind you maybe, I don't think I need to tell anybody, but before Jesus, our righteousness is described in the book of Isaiah as what? Filthy rags. Oh, my friends, why was it necessary? Why was it necessary for God to send peace? And how did he go about doing it? We could see the how all through Scripture. In fact, it's an easy answer in verse number 14 of our opening text. Notice the Bible actually reminds us how the heavenly hosts of angels, this, this army of angels, how they proclaimed the good news of peace and how it had come into the world. And we go back to the prophet Isaiah as we many times do at this season of, of Christmas. And we go back and we see how God used the prophet Isaiah to talk about the how as well. Now remember, this is 700 some years in advance. And God is using Isaiah in Isaiah 9 in verse number 6. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. But I love the last one, the Prince of Peace. Let me just say something to you. If you need a prince in your life, I recommend the Prince of Peace. You know, a lot of people walk around thinking they're a prince or a princess. I don't want to pour water on your fire or your excitement, but there's only one Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. Zechariah, speaking of Jesus Christ in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 10, here's what Zechariah says. He says, he shall speak peace unto the heathen. You know who that heathen is right here? He spoke peace to me. He said, guess what? 
I've come to set you free from your bondage. I've come to set you free from your sinfulness. And so Zechariah says, He shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even to the ends of the earth. What an amazing, what amazing God we have that is, that as Colby even said, his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. His ways are much different than our ways. He thought about everything when he sent Jesus. If you've ever taken time to read how God speaks through Micah, in Micah chapter 5, in verse number 2, it's talking about this little town of Bethlehem, how that you know, you know what they used to say, how nothing great would come out of Nazareth, but they speak about Bethlehem, this little town in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But don't just stop at verse number 2 because you miss it. You miss it. You got to go on and keep reading what, what God is saying to us through Micah. And in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 4 and 5, notice what Scripture says. It says, And he, speaking of Jesus, shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall abide, for now shall he, Jesus, be great unto the ends of the earth. Look at verse number 5. And this man shall be the what? Oh, my friends, I don't know about you, but I could use a little peace. And you know where we get our peace? You know where we hold on to peace? You know where we, we rely on that? It's in Jesus. Jesus is our peace if you've trusted him as your Savior. The how of how God sent peace in the world can be seen in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 where the angel uh, comes along and tells Mary and Joseph. He kind of lets Mary and Joseph in on God's plan. Have you ever had uh, God let you in on his plan? You ever had that happen to you? Where you think you have a plan, you're going to uh, enact your plans, your ways, and then all of a sudden the door shuts on you? And God said, got news for you, that's not my plan. Anybody? You ever had that happen to you? And just when you think that door's shut, here's what happens. Another door opens. And it's as if God is saying, hey, hey, dummy, go through this door. Right? You know, that's happened in Scripture, too. We read it all over Scripture. I think about the Apostle Paul. He had a plan. He was going to go one way to tell people about Jesus. That's a great plan. That's a great plan. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. God said, not so fast. I don't want you to go that way. I need you to go this way. See, sometimes we have our plans but we got to defer to the one who has the greatest plan. And so the angel goes to Mary and Joseph and shares the plan. Says, hey guys, i got news for you. Uh, Mary, you're going to conceive a, a child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary under your wife. Uh, guy, I know that they're probably talking about her, but this is all part of God's plan. And this is what you're going to do. Galatians chapter 4 and 5 remind us of Christ's incarnation. That it came at the right moment, at the right time. Right on schedule. And then beginning here in Luke chapter 2, the Bible reminds us of how Joseph and Mary actually make their way to this little town of Bethlehem for the birth of Christ. But I see the how all over Scripture. But why would God do this? Well, I would just say go back to week 1 of December. When I talk to you, why would God do it? Because He loves you. Why would He do it? Because He loves me. And so He proves His love in sending His Son but there are a couple other reasons. Why would God send peace in the world? Well, I believe he wanted to restore this, 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 this peace between God and man. But also, do you know that since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, 
that man has been at war with one another? Anybody remember Genesis chapter 4, what happens? Right away, brother to brother, Abel, Cain, the whole story there. That's right after the fall, folks. And so not only are men and women at war with God at this time, but men and women are at war with one another. Anybody ever been at war with somebody? Nobody. Everybody's innocent. Or we're just pleading the fifth. You ever had aught with your brother? You ever had hard feelings towards somebody else? This way? See, this is all part of God's plan. He says, I'm going to, in the fullness of time, I'm going to send my son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law so that they might receive the adoption of sons. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it through my son because I love you. Oh, listen, it's important to understand that this idea and this concept of peace in the Middle East, think about where Jesus is born. In the Middle East, there was a peace problem. And anybody ever take a look at the news? I don't want to encourage you to spend too much time taking a look at the news. But do you know that they're still begging and praying for peace in the Middle East today? And you say, well, why? Didn't Jesus come? You just read it. He came and he brought peace. Let me just say this. Just because Jesus came down doesn't mean that uh, peace is apparent all around the world. You see, peace must be received. During Jesus' day, much like today, there was a hope and a prayer that constantly rang out for peace. In fact, even the city of Jerusalem, the name refers to peace. Shalom, Salem, refers to peace. When you go to Jerusalem, guess what they say? Shalom. They're speaking of peace, and yet they fail to recognize when God actually sent peace in the flesh to them oh so long ago. Isaiah 48 and 22 teaches us a critical lesson that states, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. In other words, peace cannot exist without righteousness. And I've already mentioned that our righteousness without Christ is like filthy rags. You see, man had been at war with God since Adam sinned in the garden. And because of that sin this way, it started permeating this way. And so man was at war with one another. Turn with me in your Bible to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I want you to see something. What James actually says about peace. And I will tell you, he says very little. But I want you to see how he talks and how we can learn something from James chapter 4. He actually asks and then he answers a question for us. And notice here in verse number 1, I want you to see right away, he mentions three wars. He mentions three wars here in the first few verses of Scripture that actually keep us from peace. And we have to be careful as believers as well. But if you're an unbeliever, I want you to take notice as well what James says here. In James chapter 4, in verse number 1, notice he says, From whence, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? So one and two, the first two wars were at war with one another, wars among you, and then number two, we're at war with ourselves. He says, Come they not hence even of the lusts that war in your members? That means in your own self. So why are we struggling with war inside? What do you think the problem is that is going on inside of hearts and lives that we're struggling so much with this idea of lack of peace? 
or war? Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse number 2 and following. James says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Now watch verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now look at verse 4 again because it says, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity. That word enmity actually speaks of hostility, opposition, or hatred. It's actually a type of warfare. If you've ever been in the military, it's a type of warfare that goes on in the heart of man. There's a type of hostility. There's a type of hatred this way. Sometimes I believe the hatred is so visceral, so real, because we don't get what we want to get when we want it. I want this, and because I don't get it, God, you're the bad guy. Anybody, I don't need to show of hands, anybody ever blamed God for something? Anybody? You can just nod or like, oh my, yeah. We, I think we're, we're real good at blaming people. Do you know that's actually a part of our sin nature? Do you know where that started? It actually started in the Garden of Eden. You remember? Adam and Eve, they're trying to hide. They're like over here behind the trees and all the boxes. And God says, come on out. Ali, Ali, uncome free. I already know where you're at. Come on out. Why are you trying to cover yourself? Well, because, you know, we're naked. How do you know you're naked? Right? And so we see this, this, this hostility and this hatred that permeates, not at that moment this way, but this way. Because Eve starts blaming the serpent. And who does Adam blame? <laughs> wow, got a lady's response real quick on that one. <laughs> yeah, the husband blamed the wife, didn't he? He said, it's her fault. And the wife said, no, it's, it's that serpent's fault. And so we start playing the blame game all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. I got news for you. When you're always playing the blame game, you're not going to experience peace very often. Because guess what? If you're blaming somebody this way, that person that you're blaming is going to come right back at you. And if you're blaming God this way, I got news for you. Just, just call up Jacob and ask Jacob how wrestling with God works. Unless in case you just end the broken hips. All right? And so we have to be careful with this idea of war and peace. And, and so I, I wrote down in my notes there an older Christmas song. You, you ever hear the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day? They're old, familiar carol play, right? You've, you've heard this song. Well, if you go to the third verse of the song, you ask, why was peace necessary? In the very third verse of this very familiar Christmas song, here's what it says. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Oh, my friends, this is why God had to send peace into the world. We have to be careful because just because Jesus came down from heaven, just because he came down to author and establish peace does not mean that everybody actually has peace. His peace is not based on circumstances or feelings. 
His peace must be received. And the good news is that even today you say, I know a lot about Jesus, but I'm still without peace. The good news is you can actually appropriate peace today. You can actually be an appropriator of not only peace, but of love, of joy and hope, a living hope that never ever goes away. My friends, when Jesus arrived in the form of a baby, he came down to usher in a new kind of peace. Look at verse number 11 with me. He comes in to usher this new kind of peace, the peace of a Savior, the peace of a, of a Christ child, the peace of the Lord. Look at what the angel said. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, one, a Savior, two, Christ, three, Lord, there's so much deity right there. I don't know what else you need. But the angel said, hey, here he is. He's not only Savior. He's not only Christ, but he needs to be Lord. And can I just say really humbly, if you're lacking peace, then something's wrong in the Savior Christ Lord phase. There's something wrong. And if you say you know Jesus... And you're still saying in your heart of hearts, you're saying, I'm struggling with peace. I'm struggling with hope. I'm struggling with this idea of great joy and love. Then there's a problem here of your ability to receive and really appropriate the message of this verse. Because this verse says that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is Christ and Jesus is Lord. And so let's look at these three titles quickly. Number one, the title Savior. If we have ever sinned against God, then we need a Savior. If you've ever sinned against God, there it is, point blank, you need a Savior. And so I'm guessing that in this room or watching online, nobody has to tell you that you need a Savior, right? I learned very early in life that I needed a Savior. Do you know I have a new little puppy? Did I tell you about my puppy? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. His name is Colonel. His name is Colonel. Do you know, Colonel has already realized he needs a Savior at my house. And do you know who he's looking to? He's looking to me. When everybody's putting Colonel down, when everybody's giving Colonel stuff, he's looking to me. Now I have to correct him. Because Colonel has a bad little habit right now. It's a, a habit that all puppies have. He wants to chew everything, including you. Come by. If you're, if you're into that kind of thing, I'll, I'll turn the Colonel loose on you. He's all of four pounds. If we know that we are sinners, if we know that we have sinned against God, the reality is we also know that we need a Savior. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the angel, notice what the angel says to Joseph. He says this, and, he shall, and she shall bring forth a son, talking about Mary, bringing forth this child, and thou shalt call his name, watch it, Jesus, for he shall what? He shall be a Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. I put down in my notes, think about it, if someone sins against you, anybody ever had somebody sin against you personally? You ever felt the weight of that? Do you know that you are the only one that has the power to forgive that person in that moment? When somebody egregiously sins against you, you're the one who has the power to forgive. 
You're the one that holds the power within your heart to forgive that person. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so likewise, just like if somebody sins against us, we have the ability to forgive that person. We have to understand that the only one that is able to forgive us is God of very God. And the angel told Joseph, say, guess what? You're going to call his name Jesus because here's the reality. This is God's son, and he's the one that's going to actually be able to save his people from their sins. Oh, listen, God sent and gave his only son. Why? To be the savior of the world. But notice the second title, the Christ child. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ. Christ is the English word for Christos, which actually means anointed one, that is Messiah. And so it's pretty cool. You remember when John, uh, uh, John the Baptist in John chapter 1, he sees Jesus coming afar off and he says, behold. He points to Jesus. He says, behold, uh, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. You remember Andrew goes, and Andrew scurries over, and he's like, hey, where do, you, where do you live, basically, paraphrasing. He says, where do you live? And Jesus says, come and see. Can I just stop here in a little commercial for you? You're never going to learn more about Jesus if all you're doing is coming and sitting on Sunday mornings. you gotta get, you got to get into God's Word. You're going to have to mill through His Word day in and day out. I tell people all the time, I said this on Wednesday night, if you want to have the mind of Christ, I give you the mind of Christ, but you got to absorb it. you got to get into it, and you just can't hold it up to your head and think it's going to somehow by osmosis be implanted into your head and your heart. And so, listen, if we're going to learn more about the Christ child, this Messiah, then we have to come and see. And that's what Jesus told Andrew. He said, hey, you want to know where I'm, you want to know what I'm all about? You want to know where I'm from? He says, you got to come and see. And so if you read scripture in John chapter 1, that's exactly what Andrew does. He goes and he hangs out with Jesus for a little while. Well, what's the very first thing he does after he hangs out with Jesus? He goes and he finds his brother in verse number 41 of John chapter 1, notice what he says. It says, he first finds his own brother Simon, and notice what he says under him. He says, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. He says, we found the anointed one. It's over. The long wait is over. The long awaited, the long prophesied promise of peace, promise of love and hope and joy, it's over. We have found him. And what a wonderful picture of love. Andrew says, you need to come see him because we have found him. My friends, that's the same way that we need to be in this season of Advent. As we celebrate the love, the joy, the hope of Jesus, we also need to be sharing the peace of Jesus with other people. Oh, my friends, this prophet and priest and king in the form of Jesus, the Christ child, had come. But notice lastly this title of Lord. This, Bible, this verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In other words, this verse is telling us the creator, sustainer, ruler, mighty God, everlasting Father, He is Lord, He is here, He has come to you, and you need to go see Him. Isn't that what they told the shepherds? And I'm so thankful that verse 15, you know what the shepherds did? They said, we got to go see. We got to go see what this is all about. They got up and they left. And I don't know about this. Someone suggested this. I think it was Betty. Betty West was suggesting this a couple weeks ago. And Betty, you, you got me really thinking about this. You know, it's like, 
it got me thinking about this, and I mean, I don't, I don't have all the answers, right? A lot of things are mystery, but Betty suggested that in that moment, she just assumed that all the sheep went too. That the shepherds got up and they went to, went to Bethlehem to find Jesus. Can you imagine the parade that's taking place? you got a bunch of shepherds and the sheep, and they're all making their way. Can you imagine that picture? Got me thinking about that, Betty, to be honest with you. What a beautiful picture of God's love. Back in Isaiah chapter 9, I read verse 6 earlier. But let me read it to you again. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, watch it, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But look at verse number 7. And of the increase of his government... And watch it, peace shall be no end. It's like that song, oh praise the name of Jesus who gives us peace if we receive it. With Jesus as our Savior, Christ and Lord, the guilt of our past has been forgiven. The trials of our present can be overcome and our destiny in the future is secured eternally. I love my soteriology professor. The first day of class, he walked in and yes, we had whiteboards. They weren't chalkboards, but they were whiteboards. And so he walked in there because I went to college late and he walked in there and he wrote on the board and he said, I'm, heaven, I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. I like to think about that all the time. I'm headed for heaven. Do you know what's kind of crazy is I thought about that this morning as I made my way here to this place to preach a message about peace. I thought about it. I'll be honest with you. I went to the, to the local dump there and I had recycled all the boxes and put those in the container. And as I left that place and was making my way here to the church uh, facility, I started thinking about the fact, I started thinking about the fact that God could call me home at any time. I started thinking about the fact that, you know, you've seen those bumper stickers? In case of the rapture, this car will be unmanned or whatever. That's kind of crazy, but I thought, man, what if the Lord called me home right now? This car would go off the road. This car would just go off the road. And you know what? In that moment, I would be okay because I'd be with the Lord. One day, the Lord will call us home. He will either return or He will call us home. And I don't know about you, but if you lack peace, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. If, if we lack peace, it's not God's fault because you see, He actually planned the gift of peace for you and I, but we must receive it. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace. Not of evil. He says, I've got thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see, when God thinks about you and me, He wants you and I to experience peace. Jesus purchased our peace. When we look around these days, if you look, if you turn on the television and watch the news, you're not going to feel very peaceful. Be honest with you. It's easy to become distressed. If we look within ourselves, I'll be honest with you. I'm just like anybody else. It's easy to become discouraged and depressed. 
It's very easy to become discouraged and depressed. We look out, we can become distressed. We look inside, sometimes we become discouraged and and, and depressed. But the reality is if we'll look to Jesus, we'll find safety, we'll find peace, and we'll find rest. And so if you're here this morning without peace, I want you to know that God's offer of peace is still available to you. The only way to procure his peace is through his son Jesus. I I turned over here because I want to read you a couple of verses. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 19. Notice what Paul writes to the church at Coloss about Jesus. He says in verse number 19, For it pleased the Father that in him, in who? Jesus. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Look at verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him Jesus, to reconcile all things unto himself. That word reconcile means to reunite, to resolve, or to restore. Jesus came and he placed himself on the cross. He died a most horrific death to restore a relationship that had been broken. So many years before, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden. One of the greatest pieces of theology ever written in song is a song called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You say, eh, I've sung that song, it's, you know, whatever. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Why is it the greatest greatest theological statement written in a song? Because the very next phrase says, God and sinner reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? Because God and sinner have been reconciled. Oh, listen, we have to give God the glory. Peace will never be found in our jobs, our finances, our family, our hobbies, or anything else. It will not be found in my new little puppy, Colonel. It just will not be found in that puppy. Sometimes a lot of angst will be found in that puppy. Sometimes he leaves nice little surprises for us in the most unlikely places. But it will not be found peace. We only find peace through Jesus. So if you're in need of peace, I was thinking about this the other day when I was writing it. If you're in need of peace, then just like Peter and John told the lame man, remember the lame man over in Acts chapter 3, he wanted some money, he wanted alms. You remember what Peter and John said? He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I give you. What was the answer? He said, listen, what you need is not money, what you need is Jesus. And so if you are lacking peace today, I give you what Peter and John gave the lame man years ago on the steps of the temple. I give you Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the joy that, was, he is the joy that endured the cross for us. He is the hope of the world. He is our peace that passes all understanding. And so listen, peace will only come when Jesus is in charge of your life, when you are obeying him in your heart of hearts. And guess what? This goes for believers as well. 
If you're here this morning and you say, I'm a believer, then I want to remind you that Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have what? Let's say it better. Therefore being justified by faith, we have what? With who? Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage yourself. Remind yourself of where peace comes from. If you're lacking peace, then maybe... Just maybe you're a believer and you say, I'm lacking peace. Well, then maybe, just maybe, Jesus needs to be restored to his rightful position in your heart and in your life. And that's only something that you know and he knows. And so I encourage you to restore him back to his rightful position in your heart and in your life. About five years ago, it came out on, I don't know, it probably was around a lot longer than this. But about five years ago, I remember... Uh, coming out on Facebook, and I saw this little, this little uh, image, graphic image, that had this saying, and said, no God, no peace. But if you know God, you're going to know peace. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus, don't leave this room. Don't leave this room without Jesus. If you're here and you say, I know Jesus, but I'm struggling with peace, then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to restore him to his rightful position in your heart and in your life. He is the greatest gift that has ever been given to us. He loves you. He loves me. He died for you. He died for me. He wants to have a very intimate relationship with you. And let me just say this. You say, well, the Old Testament says he's a jealous God. He is. He says, thou shalt have no other God before me. And he meant what he said then. And it's still the same today. Don't do away with the old just because we're under the new covenant of law of the law of love. He said, you're not going to have any other God before me. That's not the way this thing works. And see, what happens is sometimes we elevate the God of our job, the God of our family, the God of our finances, the God of whatever our toys are. We elevate these things to positions that they have no business being in position of. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing the hope, the joy, the love, and the peace of God. Can I tell you? It's not rocket science. James, tell them. It's not rocket science. Jesus loves you so much. He doesn't want you to experience heartache and distress and depression and, and discord and anger and all of these things. That's not, that's not for you as a believer, as a child of the king. You are his workmanship. You're his beautiful masterpiece. And as a beautiful masterpiece, he wants you to enjoy all the beautiful benefits of being his masterpiece. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with peace, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for putting things before you. Lord, help me to put you back where you rightfully belong. And you know what? I believe he'll answer that prayer. I don't believe that's a prayer that's asked amiss. I believe that's a prayer that he'll honor. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I recognize who you are. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to come into my heart and my life and to change me from the inside out. It's that simple because the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I encourage you, wherever you're at on your journey, look to Jesus. 
the one who authored, established, and brought the very gift of peace for you and for me. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. God, I pray that you'll be with us as we sing this song of invitation. Lord, I pray that if there's those who need Jesus, that today will be the day that they call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of their sin. Lord, it's easy to become disenchanted. It's easy to become kind of sideways, I guess, as a way of looking at it when it comes to our peace and our joy and our love and our hope because we get our focus out of whack. We start focusing on things that really, in the end, leave us wanting, leave us unhappy. And so, Lord, I pray that if there are those that know Jesus but are struggling in this season of Christmas with their peace, God, I pray that you would work in their heart, work in their life. Remind them that you are their all. Remind them that it is only through you and through your power and through your ability that we can enjoy this gift of peace. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for doing these things, for saving souls, for changing lives, for drawing us all back to you. Lord, we give you the praise as we close out this year. We look forward to what you're going to do in the new year, Lord. I pray that you'll keep us healthy. Lord, I pray that you'll keep us focused on you. Lord, I pray that you'll have us telling more and more people about Jesus. Lord, we'll see more people saved. We'll see more people baptized, added to your church. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it. We give you the honor that you deserve because you're the only one worthy of it. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.